This is Erin Kay with Claiming Disability Incorporated. If you're not familiar with Claiming Disability, which hopefully if you're on this live stream, you're familiar with Claiming Disability Incorporated. We are an organization that works to educate, advocate, and empower for people with disabilities through media projects um, like this podcast and live stream. And today we have a very special guest joining me. We have the beautiful and talented Ola Ojewumi going to be telling me all about um, her project is Sun. She's an executive director. She's a founder. She's an entrepreneur. She is a badass disabled woman that I am in love with because, like, the energy of her campaign and uh, the stuff that she did last month for Black History Month was, like, one of the coolest disabled campaigns I've ever seen. Uh, she was featured recently on NBC News um, with an article about uh, writing more pieces about people with disabilities and uh, black people with disabilities and addressing ableism and racism. So I am super excited to be talking to Ola today because she is really, really cool. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. And I love all the work that you're doing. Thank you, ma'am. I am a huge fan of what you are all about. So why don't you tell our folks that are kind of trickling in here just a little bit about you, the projects that you have going on. I mean, girl, you were just featured on NBC News. Like, you guys should hear her. Like, she is so, like, we were talking before this. She is so ridiculously down to earth. She's like, man, you know, I'm okay. Like, and I'm just like, girl, you were just on NBC News. Like, all right, you a big deal, okay? Like, <laughs> thank you, but I'm not. I'm just a, a girl in a wheelchair trying to make her dreams come true. So just to tell you a little bit about <laughs> just to tell you a little bit about me, I entered the disabled community roughly at nine years old. I had a rare heart condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. It it was a it blindsided me out of nowhere. Um, I became a person who needed disability accommodations at school, special accommodations, and. It led to a heart and kidney transplant at age 11, roughly 12. I was close to 12 years old. And I was in denial about my disability for years. I didn't think I was different. I didn't want to be different. But difference, difference is nothing to be ashamed of. So when I was in my early 20s, I started interning on Capitol Hill. I interned for Nancy Pelosi, and I interned in the Obama White House. Oh and I... I needed a, I needed a way to get around because of my heart condition. I can't run fast. I can't I can't walk short distances without getting exhausted. So I finally became a wheelchair user. And even sitting in in a wheelchair for for the first year, I was still in denial. I was still like, oh, I'm not disabled. I'm not. But eventually, coming out of that denial and learning what disability pride means. 
having pride within yourself because disability is nothing to be ashamed of. It's a natural part of the human condition and the human experience. And everyone will eventually become disabled. If you plan on living to old age, you will undoubtedly experience disability. So I became a disability rights activist. I've spoken on Capitol Hill. One of my speeches went viral and got 3.7 million views on Facebook. It was a speech I gave alongside Senator Cory Booker and Senator Bob Menendez. And it was to, it was to fight for protections to the ACA. Um, that's mainly where my health, my, my advocacy has been focusing on in the past few years, fighting the Trump administration and its efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Oh my God. I'm in love, y'all. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so amazing. I, I'm amazed, like, I can't believe you interned under Nancy Pelosi, like, and working with Cory Booker. I have a really funny story with Cory Booker. I was at a disability, I was at a people with disabilities conference in Iowa, and he, like, bumped into me, like, he bumped into my walker, and, like, he's like, I'm sorry, I bumped you with my posterior, and I'm like, yes, you did, sir, like, can I get a selfie, and, like, I just love hearing Cory Booker speak. I love, you know, like you're talking about for people who are unfamiliar with the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, I love hearing his health plans, how it was going to be integrated and how we were going to get people with disabilities on the same page and create these like committees where disabled people will be, you know, leaders in their own health and they'll be making the decisions and that just makes me so unbelievably happy like i can't believe okay i'm i'm flabbergasted you caught me off guard there um but dang girl you like on another level you on another level lady um i can't wait to watch that viral video oh my god um, yeah, I just, when you were talking about, like, you didn't want to be disabled, you didn't want to be disabled, I feel like everybody goes through that, right, as a disabled person, like, because until I was about 27 years old, so, I mean, or even 30, even, like, I've been in denial about my disability, and I've been like, I'm not disabled, and I'm not disabled, <laughs> like, but then you realize disabled is not a bad thing. So it's like, it's okay to be disabled. And I always talk about the fact that our disability journey isn't linear. Like we don't just wake up feeling disabled and fabulous and like we want to post all these walker and wheelchair pics. It's like, it's a journey of acceptance. And like wherever you are on your disability acceptance journey is fine. I just want people to know that there's a community of people who support you just the way you are, and you don't have to try to overcome your disability. That's a narrative that we've been fed that isn't necessarily accurate. Yeah, I'm flabbergasted. I can't believe you work in Cory Booker, and I'm like, oh my goodness, gracious. 
He's a great man. She's so I'm sweet. glad he's I'm, a great I'm, man. I'm, oh my god. <laughs> That's amazing. What was that like? I mean, because so I go to days on Capitol Hill in Iowa and like now I wouldn't know this. I'd be talking about this all the time, but the Capitol is very, very, very inaccessible in Iowa. I will straight up say that to anybody who asks me. I'm not going to hide that fact that the Capitol is inaccessible. What's it like to get around at the U.S. Capitol? There are a lot of steps, um, but it's it's pretty accessible for the most part. Because, the, and I mainly credit the Capitol crawl, the historic Capitol crawl, where people with disabilities overtook the Capitol and climbed upstairs, upstairs. Even people with paralysis, people with walking disabilities used their hands to climb up, up the steps of Capitol Hill just to be able to make sure it was accessible for future generations. But the Capitol is pretty accessible. Good. Well, I'm glad, like, so earlier this year, I interviewed Jim LeBrec from Crip Camp, and he was one of the people at the Capitol crawl. And it's like, just we need to remember, I feel like we need to remember our applicants of past because there's been a lot of groundwork just laid for like the applicants like Judy Human, Jim LeBrec, you know, uh, Robert Edwards, like, or Edward Roberts, like there's there's just a lot of applicants who came before us that have laid the foundation for some amazing work. So I want to ask you a little bit about Project Ascent. How did that start? Like, why, I, girl? I've worked in nonprofit for like twelve years, okay? Like, and nonprofit is not easy to do. Especially when you're like forming your own 501c, you're finding a board of directors, like it's not easy. So why did you decide you wanted to take that on? I wanted to give disabled students opportunities to attend college. So my nonprofit, we've provided over $30,000 in grants and scholarships to disabled youth. And we also have a grant program where we fund youth service projects. So we provided a grant to we provided a grant to a program in Guatemala that assists young girls and pairs them with mentors. And we also sponsor a mentorship program here in, in the DC metro area. But we we got started with five hundred dollars in a dream. I got a couple scholarships when I was in college and I ended up getting a refund check. I'm sure you know, I'm sure you know what a refund check is. It's when you pay overpaid. So I had five hundred dollars. I wanted to spend it on clothes. I wanted to hit up Forever Twenty One and just be, yes. <laughs> be irresponsible with it. Well, but I chose to <laughs> But I chose to invest it into Project Ascend and to create Project Ascend. And it's blossomed ever since. Oh and like and that's amazing, over $30,000 to local disabled students. Guys, do you know how big that is for nonprofit? Like, hey, Bethany, I don't think I've ever seen you hop on a live stream, but hey, girl, hey, she's 
the official uh, disability sex expert. Thanks for popping I love in, lady. Like, I love that. I love Bethany. Hi, Bethany. She is great. But I mean, just to to have that kind of funding as a nonprofit. And guys, um, when I used to work nonprofit, when I worked for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, I did fundraising. Um, so it is immensely difficult as a nonprofit to fundraise and and have grant programs like Ola's talking about where she's able to allocate $30,000 to local students. That's amazing, girl. Kudos. Like, that's cool. Like, and it started with an idea of, like, having $500 and just being like, okay, instead of going to Sephora, I'm going to start a business. Like, what? Yeah, it's my baby. It's one of it's one of my passion projects. It's one of the things I'm most proud of. We got um we got twenty thousand dollars in grants um from disabled rights organizations. We got a ten thousand dollar grant from the American Association for People with Disabilities, and another ten thousand dollar grant from the HSC Foundation. So the disa this is this is a credit to the disabled community for for creating creating well i would say assisting project incentive in its impactful work uh, and so if any of our folks want to donate to your program is there a way that they can donate to your amazing scholarship program Yes, you guys can visit www.project-ascend.org slash donate. We appreciate any donation, even if it's as small as $5, but anything you can give will go to helping send a disabled young person to college. That's amazing. And you know, you know, and you probably have some statistics, you know, it is very difficult for disabled people to go to college. And I can say from my own experience, just from going to college like 30 minutes away, I had a really hard time getting around a very small campus of like 800 people, let alone if there's like a big campus like in your area. I mean, it's just, it's difficult for disabled students and they need all the support that they can get. Um, and guys, when you guys say you want to donate to me, like if you want to buy merch, that's wonderful. But I am a registered LLC. I cannot accept donations. I'm a business. I'm not a nonprofit. I'm a disabled media company. So when people want to make donations, that's wonderful. But I'd rather you guys donate to a 501c3 that really needs the help. Like Ola. Thank you. Thank no so problem. Much. Like, and, and then with your with your campaign with Black History Month, like, what? How did that start? Like, because again, I know when we were talking before, you were saying that there were a lot of applicants that were doing similar work with raising, amplifying Black disabled voices. But how did you decide? Like you wanted to focus on, you know, the people that you chose. Like Mary, we were talking about who invented the walker that I'm sitting on right now, right? You know, and like Will Smith and Gabrielle Union and 
all the folks that you highlighted, Harriet Tubman, like, how did you decide, like, you wanted to do this campaign? Because that's a huge undertaking for a nonprofit to take on a large-scale media campaign like you just did last month. Yes, I, I I I was looking in the mirror and I wanted to see a reflection of myself. I wanted to see black people with disabilities and I I know the disability rights movement and historically it's been whitewashed. It's it, it's been whitewashed to the point that you think black advocates had nothing to do with the disability rights movement. So I profiled the Black Panthers who assisted during the the legendary 504 sit-ins and provided hot meals to um, disabled protest protesters who overtook a HEW building in San Francisco, California for 25 straight days. The, the disability rights movement and the civil rights movement are intertwined. The, so black, black, well, I would say the disability rights movement took its cues from the civil rights movement and learned from the protests of black activists. And it, I felt like it was important to highlight Black disabled people because it's enough. I've had enough of the erasure. I've had enough of feeling like my voice isn't heard and people like me being silenced and being told we didn't make history. But we did and we will continue to make history. Oh my God, exactly. Like even in the Crip Camp documentary, like I love Jim Lebrack, I love Nicole Newham, that were executive producers on the film, they talk about that. They talk about in a very, you know, for maybe like two minutes of the film, they talk about how collectively as a movement, the LGBTQI community and the Black Panther Party stepped in and helped disabled applicants during the 501, uh, the 504 sit-in because they needed, you know, disabled people needed to be fed, they needed to be showered, they needed to, you know, drink water, and the Black Panther Party was there for us. And it's like, you're a huge part of the history. And I just, you know, when you use words like erasure, I'm just like, exactly, like, why, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why this keeps happening. We have advocates out here who are like, we need to make, you know, um, disability campaigns more diverse. But like, why do we keep missing the mark, I guess? We keep missing the mark because of institutionalized racism. Even if you consider yourself an ally, there are ways that you are racist within your allyship because we breathe it, we live it. It's a part of the it's a part of the human condition. Basically, we don't see blackness and disability as something that intersects. We don't see black disabled people. We we don't talk about them. We pretend that they don't exist. Dang, like y'all hearing that shit? Like that's some real stuff. Like. And I'm going to say this, and sorry if it pisses people off, but even if you're a white person who has a disability like myself, you have white privilege. So get over your freaking self. Like, acknowledge that you have white privilege as a person with white skin. It doesn't matter if you have a disability. You can still have white privilege. 
right? Exactly, exactly. And white privilege can blind you to things that that you never thought people could experience. People of color deal with, disabled people of color deal with a double-headed monster of racism and ableism. And racism and ableism goes hand in hand. When you look at Black history, Black people were thought to be, so when you talk about segregation, the reason bathrooms and water fountains were segregated was because they believed Black people had diseases that could pass on to white people. And they believed that Blackness was a disability in and of itself, and that Black people were less smart and less intelligent than whites by nature. So it's important to share this history and, sh and share the lessons we've learned from the past. Right. And so... When I was growing up, Harriet Tubman was like an idol of mine because, you know, she was amazing and she she helped everybody and was a real leader. And But like when I had read in my history book that she was hit by an iron when she was like 12 years old, you know, by her asshole slave, you know, situation, like... It was just like, it didn't even register in my mind that she had a disability because of the way the book was written. Like, they didn't even mention, you know, like it was bad or something. I'm like, she's disabled. Like, why, why don't we just say that? Like, and why does that have to be a bad thing? And with your article that I read, like... <sighs> You know, I just feel like I love campaigns. I, I mean, kind of. I love, like, Women's History Month, and I love, like, Black History Month. But, like, it's just, like, why do we keep having these issues with, you know, like, with your article? Like, why are we not showcasing? Why are we not doing what we need to be doing. And then in terms of, like you said, with allyship, like how do we be better allies? But me not saying that in like an idealistic, like how do we be better allies? But like, how do we legit be better allies as white disabled advocates or influencers, whatever you want to call us, you know, how do we become better allies to you guys? Because I honestly don't think we're doing that great of a job. Sorry, everybody. No need to be sorry. It's it, One thing that can be done is passing the microphone. It's, it's exactly what you're doing. You're passing the mic to a person of color with disability and recognizing your power. People with disabilities often feel powerless, but if you are a white person with a disability, you have power and you have infinite privilege that you just aren't aware of. Disability does not erase race. And comparing the two is really, to me, is, is really detrimental. But supporting, supporting Black disabled creatives is also a way to be a good ally. Everyone has a Patreon. Everyone has a way that you can support. Um, and I feel like building a network of people with disabilities and make people of color with disabilities and in your organizing, make sure to include people of color with disabilities. It just takes one invite to include, uh, include the perspectives of people with disabilities. And also being brave enough to call racism out for what it is. People are scared to speak up even when they see 
mistreatment, even when they see bias. But if you can, if you can call it out and check other people's racism, then that makes you a true ally because you're not silent. You're, you, you don't speak on behalf of communities of color, but you speak up for communities of color. And that's important, very important for the movement. Right, and not to appropriate at all, but like that pisses me off as a disabled person when the able-bodied community tries to speak for us. So I guess for me, like I get like, I don't want to speak for the black community, you know, if it's not my place to do so. But like you said, if you're calling out injustice, I just want to make sure that we're not being like hypocrites, you know. Check your own biases too. Check to see if you've treated someone differently because of their race or if you're responding differently because some because of someone's race. Or if you're stereotyping someone is angry because they're passionate. Yeah, exactly. Like <sighs> And I don't know, like, do you feel like, I'm talking, I'm like, in the disabled community, do you feel like there's just fear around having conversations with people from different backgrounds? Like, I'm not just talking about, like, Black people, but I'm talking about, like, Asian people with disabilities. I'm not talking about, like, Latina people, Latinx people with disabilities. Like, I'm... I'm continually baffled that we're not seeing that intersectionality like at all. We all have multiple identities and it's a fear of accountability as well. To identify yourself as racist, it's difficult, but it's the first step to tackling institutionalized racism is recognizing your own racism. And there are cultural differences within different communities. Different, um, di I'm African, I'm Nigerian. In my culture, I'm not disabled because I work and have a job. Dis disability, disability is defined differently in each culture. And the, I didn't mean to interrupt you, go ahead. And the consequences of identifying as disabled are different for every culture. My, my, my family doesn't get why I label myself disabled. And I'm just like, hey, I use a wheelchair. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> like, disabled is not a bad word. Again, I feel like it comes back to we're viewing the disabled identity. And like you brought it up earlier, the disabled pride movement. I had a conversation with Senator Tom Harkin earlier this year he's like it's called disabled pride it's okay for disabled people to be prideful and for me like i've noticed like when i'm on the ada committee when i've done like disability diversity projects and stuff like i think it's a generational gap because you know older disabled people they're like i don't want to be defined by my disability disabled is bad it's like Disabled is not bad. Like, it's not our fault that we're disabled and we live in a society that is inherently ableist and inaccessible. Like, that's not our fault. And why do we feel like we have to constantly apologize? One thing with, you know, understanding people's culture 
Exactly. Like I have a friend who has cerebral palsy who is Indian and they don't, they don't see cerebral palsy as a disability. They see it as like you're having like fits or something versus like an actual disability that impacts you because he has seizures. And it's just, it's interesting. Like how do we address that cultural diversity? Because you know, it's like there's people who want to claim their disability, but it's not part of their culture. Well, it starts with inclusion. It starts with outreach to different community, different communities of color, I think. And not challenging their notions of disability, just challenging the ableism and introducing new ideas. It's easier said than done, but culture is ever changing. And cultures can change to be more open and accepting of people with disabilities, as long as we do it in a culturally responsive way. Yes. Do you believe, you know, does, does, I mean, you've been at the very top. You've been like hanging out with Nancy Pelosi and like Cory Booker. <laughs> Guys, I'm fangirling over here. But like, <laughs> You know, where does it start? Like, I just, I just feel like you're at the very top and, you know, we're, we're still, we're still having issues with like, like, no offense, but like the White House, like not using ASL interpreters and not being like accessible. And it's like, how do we continue? I think it helps that Joe Biden has a disability and he's labeled himself as disabled. And it's like, He's okay with it. And I think that's like a, a really powerful step. You know, he's not the first president with a disability. FDR had a disability, but he hid his disability because he didn't want countries to view him as weaker, right? And that's like an ableist thing in itself. But man, where do we start, girly? I don't even know. You know what I mean? Well, it all goes back to community. You start in the communities and you educate. Because I didn't know anything about the disability rights movement until until um, I, I was an intern for a disability rights organization, a AAPD. I was one of their summer interns. And when I was introduced to disability pride and when I was introduced to disability history, I was like, man, I've been missing out. There's nothing wrong with identifying as disabled. And it takes education so people can see themselves and other people with disabilities. No more whitewashing. All we want is diversity. The D in diversity stands for disability. Yes. Do you ever feel awkward, though, when it's like you're like just like at a... At a committee meeting and people like call you out they're like what do you think as like the black disabled person in the room or like the disabled person in the room it's just like I don't know we don't speak for all people with disabilities you know what I mean like I just I feel like with some organizations they feel like they have one like box checked and then it's like oh we're good like you know we'll just ask that person I mean when does it become like exhausting? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, t tokenization is exhausting. Using people as tokens is not the way to do it. 
Yeah. Like, it just, yeah. It, and then you, you are also an entrepreneur because you're a motivational speaker and you also have your own merch line. You guys should definitely check out some of her stuff. I was talking about one of her shirts today. One of them says, I'm disabled. I'm not desperate. Like, her stuff has some sass to it. And of course, like disabled um, or black disabled women matter. And like, you know, why did you want to start like a merch campaign and like, like a business model in that way? Because I feel like one, there's a very specific reason I call myself a disabled entrepreneur because I don't see them <laughs> when I Google disabled entrepreneur they don't exist so it's like i'm not i'm okay with using the label because we're not there we're not represented so like i guess why did you feel like you wanted to like jump into that and like help in that way and do advocacy in that way because i have a mentee who's disabled and still struggles with disability pride that this person does not have any disability pride and I can tell that she's ashamed of her disability and watching her struggle and grapple with it um, made me want to start a clothing line. I sell disability pride apparel. So and I, there's this one shirt that I sell, Cutie on crush, Crutches. Ooh, actually, that's right. That's right. That's, that's me. Like... <laughs> Yeah, we got to get you a shirt. Yeah. But, I, but I've seen the shame that she's felt, and I felt it myself. And to be honest, the Disability Pride Apparel store is like me coming out of the closet. Like, we were talking about dating earlier. I don't take my wheelchair on dates. I hide my disabilities from the guys that I date until it's the right time to reveal it. And so my Disability Pride Apparel line is me sort of coming out of the closet coming out of the shadows of um of just just shame and feeling like I wasn't good enough because of my disability I don't want anyone to ever feel like that and so I figured the the pride of pair disability pride apparel that I sell can help motivate others to be prideful in who they are and no longer stand with shame Yes, and like so, I've been watching you a long time on social media. I might not be like interacting like I should, but I'd be watching. And I saw on your store, you, or at least in the bio of your Facebook page, you were like disability pride apparel, and I was instantly like disability pride. Yes, like, because I feel like, you know, when you wear something like, like the future is accessible, like it should be empowering. This is from my girl, Project Hearing, go get it. It's great. It's not one of mine. I wish it was. It's not. But um, it should be empowering. It should make you feel good. I feel like there's so many narratives you know, of we have to overcome the disability stronger than cerebral palsy, 
you know, it's my superpower. So, not that there's anything wrong with that kind of stuff, but it's just like, I just never felt empowered by that stuff because I'm disabled as fuck, y'all. Like, I'm just disabled as fuck. I am. Like, I am a walker. Like, I can't hide my disability. So when people say, like, you know, I'm overcoming my disability, I'm stronger than disability. Like, what about for the rest of us that can't overcome it? Like, it's part of our identity, and it's fine. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But I definitely, I've noticed with more amazing disabled applicants out here like you, that the language is changing. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's changing. Like, people are actually using the word disabled and, like, Tammy Duckworth, who you probably met and hung out with. Like, no. She's amazing, but she used the word disabled in an article that she recently published. And before that, she was all about, you know, person first language, people with disabilities, as opposed to identity first language, disabled person. So if that's coming out of the hill, that means that there's advocates like you who are are telling people in the administration, this is this is our identity. This is what we want to identify as. Um, and it's really changing the culture and impacting it. Um, where are we at in terms of time? Okay. I'm like, we're so good. We've got a few more minutes because I've got lots of questions. Um, I'm going to dig a little deep if that's okay. And guys, drop your questions because she'll, she'll take them and I'll take them if I can see them and we'll answer them. Um, but you say you don't bring your wheelchair like on dates and stuff like that. It's, is that just because of the stigma you feel like with disability and dating? Yeah, I I haven't even put pictures of me in wheelchair in my wheelchair on my dating apps. Girl, you're um, so beautiful. Why not though? Like, they will come out eventually. Like you know, they will. They will, and. I'm an activist and advocate. It just goes to show you that even people who who are secure in their disability still have insecurities at the same time. But I'm, it's not something I'm proud of. Well, I mean, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but, like, I just, you're beautiful, and you shouldn't hide that stuff because, but I understand it at the same time because back in the day, when I was doing the date thing, like, I'm not going to lie, I would get more hits on my pictures where I didn't look disabled, where I looked like an able-bodied person, versus when people actually see what I really look like. And that's just, that's gross, you know what I mean? Like, that breaks my heart that there are people out there who are like, ah, Thanks. Like, but I'm also like, you're missing out because I'm amazing. Like, it's just, 
Yeah. Oh, but I definitely understand because I certainly have friends who talked about that very thing. Um, I know Bumble, who we had a partnership last year. They're really working hard uh, for disabled people on dating apps to feel more comfortable with disclosing their disability, but that's always part of it, right? It's like, when do I disclose? I mean, for me, it's like, they're going to find out as soon as they meet me. So, I mean, because I'd just be rolling up. But, like, that's interesting. What do you, how do you feel, like, when you can pass? Because I don't know what that feels like. What's that like? Like, it's two different worlds. I don't go everywhere with my wheelchair. But let me just tell you, um, the you don't ever get used to the staring. Like, people are constantly staring at me in my wheelchair. When I'm, when I'm not using it, I'm completely invisible. I just blend in like a regular person. There's upsides to that and downsides to that. Like, I don't go on job interviews in my wheelchair at all. Girl, um, good for you, though, because I'm, like, le I legit get, like, rejection after rejection after rejection. And I did an experiment, not to interrupt you, where I had a picture on my LinkedIn profile of me looking normal and then me with my braces and my walker. I would get at least five, like, messages from hiring managers a week when I look normal. Now, nothing. I'm not even pulling your leg, I swear. I swear. I'm, glad you did that. I'm glad you did that experiment. I need to do one too, a social experiment. But, but it's going to make you feel bad because you're like, holy shit, the work world is ableist as shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Passing privilege, I recognize my passing privilege. And it's not something I'm proud of doing, but it's kind of a survival skill for me. There's sometimes I wish I could pass, like just to know what it feels like, you know what I mean? It feels, it, it feels good, but it feels bad at the same time because people can't tell that you need help. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I I I regularly vote. I have a degree in government and politics, so I'm all about. Oh my god! Really, please. Like, <laughs> telling me you hanging out with AOC, and I'm just gonna be like, girl. I wish. I wish. I know. So you I know we were in the pack, and like we just like do government stuff. Like it'd be super cool. I'm sorry, I have a history degree, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so I um I went without my wheelchair and I asked one of the election judges where the accessible voting booth was and he told me that the line for um line for regular voting in the accessible booth it's longer. He said if you want to play the disabled card, yeah. I told him I had two organ transplants and that you should never, ever say that to anyone. And he apologized to me. But when I went in my wheelchair to, to vote, someone commented, good effort. 
And I'm just like, would you say that to me if I came in here walking? You just think disabled people doing even the most minuscule things like voting is, is something to be applauded. Like I'm your inspiration porn. Yeah. Blind Latina was talking about that today. We do not exist to this inspire you. And I'm going to say something that's going to make you mad. But when I went and voted, somebody had moved a trash can onto the ramp. So, like, yeah, like, it was a huge trash can that I couldn't move because it's, like, one of those metal ones. And, like, they moved a trash can over the ramp and then said, like, put your, like, rope on it. They were, like, put your votes here. Like, like just having disabled people, like, put their votes in the trash can. I'm, like, fuck you, whoever did that. Like, that's ridiculous. And I will say that... Anytime I have gone to vote or a caucus in Iowa, which Iowa is like the state for caucusing, um, they do not do a good job of accessibility for people. And I'm just like, guys, we're a huge portion of the voting population. Disabled people make up 25% of the total U.S. population. You know, if you're not trying to help disabled people to vote, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's very hard to get out to polls. I can't drive, so I have to take the bus. And, you know, sometimes the bus doesn't get you where you need to go on time. And, like, you have to pre-plan everything. Luckily, the last few years, They've had, like, free bus on voting day, so that's at least something, right? But it's a hassle. Like, I hate getting on the bus. It makes me crazy tired. Then I'm on the bus all day, and then I go vote. Then I go stand in line where there's no chairs, and then I'm, like, crazy tired. I basically feel like falling over. I'm so sorry. No, it's voting, voting is largely inaccessible to people with disabilities. That's why, I mean, we should have so much more political power being the biggest minority in the country, but we don't because voting is inaccessible across the United States. Yeah. It's a damn thing. Well, and you and I were kind of talking, you know, before we got on here about the Biden administration and their disability council that they have, you know, right now for people with disabilities. Like, do you feel like at least at the at the capital level, like they are trying to make efforts for inclusion for people with disabilities? Yeah, it, it, I was on um, Joy Reid on MSNBC Joy Reid talking about That's disability. That's insanely awesome. Like, Thank please you. Send me the like. Oh, it's it's on Instagram somewhere. But I was talking about this very thing, including the disabled voices in the political process and how there's I mean, I was nervous when Joe Biden was running for president. I was terrified that Trump would win. Um, and I was terrified I was terrified that someone 
Well, at least Joe Biden, he has he intends to have a disability policy advisor. That's a campaign promise he made. So I think more is being done. And the government, the federal government has a hiring initiative called Schedule A, where you can hire, where you can compete for jobs. Well, not compete. Let me just say this. If you have a disability and you get a Schedule A letter from your doctor, you can apply for federal government jobs and you don't have to compete with the rest of the world to get in. It's a it's an affirmative action program. Is this the one you were playing? Yeah. I there's, don't know there's this. another Can program. you say it again? Because like I don't even know about this. What is this again? Schedule A. If you get a Schedule A letter from your doctor, you can apply for federal jobs non-competitively. You don't have to compete with the public. They'll specifically hire you because they're seeking to increase the number of people with disabilities in federal, in federal employment. And there's this program called Workforce Recruitment. It's specifically for disabled students for, to help them get internships and jobs in the federal government, but you have to be disabled to be a part of the workforce recruitment program. So there, there's been a lot done and Schedule A was created under the Obama administration. So we have, we have to thank the Obama administration for a lot of advancements in disability policy and disability hiring in the federal government level. Thank you, President Obama. I did I did not know that at all. Like, seriously, guys. Like, I, I was in AmeriCorps Vista for, like, six years. And, like, so we get, like, a government eligibility because uh, we were AmeriCorps Vistas and we served in a federal program. But, like, I've used that letter, my NCE, and I've never gotten a federal job. Like, I've applied for, like, the VA and, like, stuff like that. Like, I've never gotten, like, a federal job. So, so this is fascinating. Like, you know, because I don't, I don't have, like, a vocational rehabilitation manager that helps me get jobs. I just get jobs on my own, you know? Well, you're hardworking. You're an entrepreneur. I don't need it anymore. People tell me all the time now, like, when are you going to get a real job? I'm like, never. This is my real job. Like, it's so annoying being an entrepreneur out here because people just think it's my hobby. I'm like, no. It's not. Uh, it's a business. And, girl, you know all about it because you have your own nonprofit and you also run a business. And if people want to book you for speaking engagements, how can they do that? Uh, you can email me at ola at olaojuwomi.com. So it's O-L-A at O-L-A-O-J-E-W-U-M-I dot com. That's amazing. And for anybody who wants to, like, check out your programs or anything like that, you guys need to be following her on Instagram. So definitely go and follow her on Instagram right now. Thank you so much, Erin. And you can buy my merch at olastruth.com, O-L-A-S-T-R-U-T-H.com. And I'm going to be buying some merch, everybody, because that's what I do. I just bought some of my friend's merch the other day who also has, she's a disabled artist and she has a business. 
I believe if this is Women's History Month, we should be supporting other women and lifting women up. You guys have to remember, like, if there's a woman out here succeeding, I'm not even going to get into the whole thing like us being women, let alone us being disabled women. But, like, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with women out here succeeding. If they succeed, you succeed, we all succeed. So I want, when you guys ask me, like, why are you promoting other merch or why are you doing this? I'm confused. I'm like, it's because it's not just about my stuff that I'm putting out into the world. It's about your stuff, too. Do you guys have any questions for Ola before we sign off here? I can't see. I'm sorry. I can't see. And it doesn't even like scroll down. I guess it kind of scrolls down. You guys have any questions? Y'all so quiet. Um, oops. Did something weird there. Don't see any questions. My last question that I always like to end on is how do you feel like you claim your disability? Hmm. I feel like I claim it in the work that I do. Um, in my motivational speaking career, I always talk about the importance of disability pride, but it's in the clothes that I wear. It's in the advocacy work that I do. Even though I, I, I'm still closeted in some ways and working through taking pride in my disability, I'm flawed, but I'm be beautifully human. I'm beautifully disabled. Oh my God, exactly. Oh, we're flawed, but we're beautifully disabled. Oh my God, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for all you do at the federal level for people with disabilities. We need you so badly because the representation is not where it needs to be. Like, and I'm just so proud you're like part of these administrations. You're talking to people like Senator Cory Booker and Nancy Pelosi and you're out here and you're explaining and you're being this amazing representative for us. Like, I just, I'm a huge fan and I'm gonna keep creepily following you because I want you to just, I want you to just thrive, girly. Thank you so much. I want the same for you. You're amazing. You are perfectly human. <laughs> We're perfectly human. Guys, buy some of her merch. I'm gonna go buy some of her merch. Uh, follow her on Instagram and reach out to her and check out Project Ascend because it's amazing. It was like, I love this. I love what you're putting out into the world. And thank you so much for being part of our show today. You guys have a good rest of your week and a good weekend. And Ola, you're just beautiful and I love you. And you're, you're perfect. You're perfect, baby. You're perfect. Thank you so much. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye-bye. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. 
Um, I would love it if you could stop by the Claiming Disability Inc. merch store. We have a lot of new stuff in there. Pretty disabled and powerful merch to make you feel empowered by your disability. Um, so please stop by if you can. Love you guys.